afternoon. Hi there, Johnny. Hey. Um, I, one of the things that I want to do before I die is to popularise the phrase good afternoon, which is that time between about 10 to 12 and quarter past 12, where you're not quite sure what's what. <laughs> Neil Doherty or Doherty? Doherty, please, Johnny. It, it is Doherty. I, I always have to make sure, ever since I got Rhinus Meikle's name wrong, I have to make sure that I get uh, pronunciation right. But yes, Doherty, one of the famous of the Doherty clan. Do you have the Doherty tartan anywhere near you? Unfortunately, no. It's quite hard to obtain the Doherty tartan. Yeah. <laughs> I tried, I tried, to, tried to get some for um, Euro 2020, but it's not so easy to come by. I settled for a, a, another badge for my um, hat for the games at Hamden. Yes, because... Uh, you are part of the Scottish, um, what is it, the supporters group, supporters network? Yeah, just part of the Scottish, Scotland National Team Supporters Club, but get my tickets and go to the home games. And Can you boogie? Well, <laughs> we could boogie for three games, but unfortunately we did the... We did the classic Scotland out after the first round, didn't we? So we could, we could temporarily boogie as usual, or... Historically, that that was always the case, as we know. You boogie until the first round, but of course you we, won. We boogie until the first round. Yeah, but you won nil nil. Do you remember when America drew one one, and against England uh, in the World Cup, and the headline was USA wins one one. I think that was the kind of um, message. I mean, it was not a great game, uh, England Scotland, Scotland England England Scotland, because it was at Wembley. Yeah, I mean. My, my opinion on that is we, we, we really fluffed the lines in the first game, didn't we? So the, the, the match against England, it was, I think it was, we'd waited all these years, 23 years, and then it looked so likely that, that Scotland would be dumped out at Wembley, which I think was just so difficult for everybody to take in Scotland because we'd look forward to this tournament for, there's been so much build up and then we went, we needed a point in Wembley to stay alive in the tournament and we got we got that point so it, it may have looked like a celebrate a, a, a nil-nil victory as you say but it was more that because it kept the tournament alive in Scotland for, for the last game uh, so that's kind of why it, 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 it took on that huge celebration at the end because the thought of getting dumped out at Wembley was I think probably too much for everybody to to take so to speak I'm very interested to know and we will get on to uh, the two most important topics of discussion Kilmarnock FC and Scotland in 1998 but I'm very interested to know what the reaction was in the Scottish press and among the fan base about what happened at Wembley around the final. Uh, A, the crowd trouble, and B, the fact that three black players didn't do their job properly and got admonished rather than praised for their bravery. The Scottish press, I'll be honest, Johnny, I tend to get my news from social media and I read The Athletic, so I don't... I don't subscribe. I bought a paper every day during, you know, 2020. Just to look back on if I ever want to write anything on the tournament itself I'll have a record of, of that a couple of papers every day but I, I don't there wasn't any great certainly not I mean, you've made two points there there, there certainly wasn't any great hoo-ha about the, the trouble outside Wembley and inside Wembley and I don't recall any coverage of the the black players missing the penalties mm. um, uh, so to speak as in 
follow up on the, the racist abuse. I suppose that the the, the guys uh, horrendously were, were subjected to on social media, but it may have been covered. But, but you didn't uh, say as it. I said, I take news from social media from the Athletic and here, there, and everywhere. World soccer. The Athletic, <laughs> so, yes, the Athletic is fantastic. It is trying to crush print journalism, which I heartily disagree with, but. Uh, they have hired some fantastic journalists. Who are your favourite? Who are your go-to uh, journalists whose oh. work you read? You can name twelve if you want. Just in terms of the Athletic, I could probably name twelve. But Tom Warville, um, Michael Cox, these are the guys that I'm I'm reading and enjoying. Raphael Honigstein, fantastic. Uh, I think it's only two two years since they've been covering football yeah. in the UK. Is that correct? Yeah, they started about two years ago this week. Uh, we're talking on. August the 7th, this will go out uh, in International Fortnight, suitably, mm-hmm. in the beginning of September. Yeah, um, I've been kind of swept along in that journalism. I'm really enjoying it. I must say that the, the deep dives into the analytics, they're just fantastic. Yeah, um, Michael Cox's career makes him, I think, the most important journalist of the era. And his book, Zonal Marking, is great. The Mixer, I think, is it will be the most thumbed book, I think, in the football library, and I should say at this point, you get your football library membership card. Uh, do you want Stevie Clark on it? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Don't think there's any other. But um, no, have you read Michael Cox's books as well as his journalism? Yeah, I've read, I've read The Mixer. I've got Sona Markin, but it's on my very long reading list. Yeah. It's, um, the last chapter is brilliant because he virtually says, England are the loads of money of world football. We just pay these foreign talents loads of money and over they come. What is English football? Because it's not what Gareth Southgate is doing. English football is what Pep Guardiola has told Raheem Sterling to do. Luke Shaw has been coached by top international coaches, as has Carl Walker, as has Calvin Phillips. I think the England team is as much a part of Bielsa Guardiola, and Johnny Lou made this point, uh, as it is about Gareth Southgate. So when you were watching England play against Scotland, it sounds like you weren't very impressed. I, I was. I, it was very like France at the 2018 World Cup. It wasn't very exciting. And I suppose that there does come into it that wee element of rivalry. I mean, it's the old enemy, isn't it? And it, it, that, that there was, I suppose it's both been in the same group as well. I, I, there was an element of that crept in, I think, in both directions. And I, I think that was impossible to avoid. I like Southgate. I liked him at 2018. I think probably at the World Cup, probably more so than I did at, at this tournament. In terms of the way it was unexpected, wasn't it? That how well England played at 2018. This tournament, uh, you can understand why he did it. It was a continuation, but to, to leave players with such attacking flair on the bench, such as Sancho, etc. It must have been frustrating for the England England fans. He played a shrewd tactical a back seven approach. Well, a, a, a shrewd tactical approach that almost won won you the trophy. So if he'd won it, he would be yeah, absolutely. And he knows. No one ever says, "Oh, why didn't we do better against Scotland? Had we won the tournament?" But some idiots. They are fans with opinions, but I do call them idiots who should rot. Um, just said, oh, he's taking us as far as he can go. Probably the same imbeciles who were in Leicester Square, high on cocaine on the Sunday, although I'm not going to presume, um, but I'm sure there was one. English football at the moment 
has five or six really good Scottish players, McTominay and Robertson and Ryan Fraser among them. But of course, the star of recent Scottish football, Che McAdams. Were you impressed with how Che McAdams, Che Adams played? Yeah, I, I was quite surprised. And I think that was the, one of the bigger surprises going into the first game. I was, at Ham- I was fortunate enough to be at Hamden for all the matches, including the neutral games. The surprise was that he didn't play, Clark, Steve Clark didn't play Shea Adams in the first game. It, it, it would appear that he had kind of bloodied this partnership with Lyndon Dykes. So yeah, he played up front and then McAdams came in um, for the next few games. What was it like seeing the goal of the tournament in the flesh? Yeah, I mean that that was a, that, at the time it was absolutely gutting, but on reflect on reflection, yeah, I mean as a football fan first and foremost, I was right behind the goals and I was right behind the trajectory of the ball, and it, it is the best goal I've ever seen. So, in that regard, I'm pleased to have been a present for one of the greatest Euro European Championship goals ever scored. Yes. Yeah, Patrick Schick, for those with a short memory, but everyone remembers that. I'm a huge fan of David Marshall. I once saw him make a world-class save for Cardiff against Watford, and I'm amazed that he's got back in the squad. But Scottish goalkeepers in recent years have had it really bad. Craig Gordon, uh, didn't he have to retire and then unretire or didn't play for a long time? Gosh, who's the other Scottish goalkeeper recently? McGregor, the Rangers Alan McGregor, yes. He was down in the Premier League. Likewise, Craig Gordon, a big money move to Sunderland. It didn't quite pan out for him. Was it Roy Keane that bought him? Yeah, I think it was. I uh-huh, know Craig Gordon was obviously a fantastic hope, but it didn't quite materialise for him. McGregor retired early from Scottish football. Um, arguably was the, the best Scottish goalkeeper in terms of form going into Euro 2020, but had retired under something of a cloud from international football so yeah Marshall was the man wasn't he he was the hero of the penalty shootout and deserved deserved his spot and I don't think could really be truly faulted by anybody looking at that goal objectively after the dust had settled no I think I think only a one-eyed swivel-eyed loon would say he was at fault because you've got to if the, <laughs> if the ball is up the pitch you've got to be prepared to sweep and unfortunately Schick used his skill and nous and ability as a top-class professional to do what he did. Um, although Czech Republic did not get very far in the tournament, England got all the way to the final. Which uh, Was there a quarter-final at Hamden? Yeah, there was, it was actually round of 16. It was Sweden versus Ukraine. I was at the game. I didn't have a ticket for that one. I bought that one. Good value. Um, I had, uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I paid over the odds for that ticket. I was I, I got the other ones via the UEFA ballot before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was quite fortunate. I paid for that ticket, paid a bit too much, and then a lot of tickets appeared. So I was kicking myself on yeah. that one. But yeah, that, that, that was it was good to be there. I thought fantastic. I, I wanted to complete the set, so to speak, having been to the first three. I wanted to attend the fourth. And it was a. I turned on an extra time, and this was the match where they were dropping like flies. There was about two minutes of football played in extra time because. No lie, three players, I think, went down. One had to be taken off on a stretcher. Um, and then there was a goal in the last minute. Yeah, it's not It's not a game that I've rewatched. It wasn't It wasn't a classic. Forsberg was very unlucky time and again. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. Maybe Sinchenko was, was good going in the other direction. 
I think a, a draw in a penalty shootout might have been a bit fairer. I think Sweden probably would feel a bit unlucky. They hit the, the post three times, I think. Mm, yes. Uh, and then the quarterfinal, England, Ukraine, I, they either hadn't turned up or they ran out of energy because they were useless. They were really poor yeah, in yeah. the quarterfinal. I and think it was Sweden, Sweden would have proven, Sweden might have proven a, a, a slightly tougher nut to crack. They were playing a, a very traditional 4 4 2, weren't they? Yeah. And we'll move, hard, on. Hard to break down. we'll move on from Euro 2020, but who was your Scottish player of the tournament and who was your player player of the tournament? Oh, good question. Scottish player of the tournament? I think you would probably need to say maybe Hanley, the centre-back. Big Grant Robertson, Hanley. Norwich, Captain Robertson of Norwich. Was, was, yeah, yeah. Robertson statistically performed quite well, but really only did the business properly, I think, in the the first game in terms of bombing on I mean he was he was he was decent against England I don't think he he truly f- did what he can do yeah it was it was a tournament of could you, it's difficult to select who you would who you would pick which is a bit disappointing and mm. um, overall tournament I think it would have to be an Italian yeah m- maybe one of the centre backs I think you could pick either of them yeah one of the bastards uh, Benucci and Chiellini that's what they've got. I mean, there's a reason they haven't lost for two and a half years. And was it something like they've played together for club and country 300 times? So telepathic. Is that correct? It's like watching wow. Lennon and McCartney or Jagger and Richards or, um, I don't have a Scottish analogy, Henry and Calderwood. Well, there it is. I mean, I, I couldn't name one of them. I said both of the set it back, so that maybe speaks volumes. Yeah, it's a, it's a team sport, as we're seeing now. Uh, we'll take a bit of a break from international football, but we will come back because... Uh, you are in the football library, Neil Doherty, because World Cup 1998, Scotland's Story, is your book that is available now. If you go to Amazon and uh, you have a Kindle Unlimited membership, you can get it for naught. But it is available. Oh, I didn't check the price. How much is it without? Is it £2? It's three ninety nine on Kindle and it's ten ninety nine on paperback. Is the paperback selling? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. sold better in the, in, during the... It was all about getting it out for the tournament, and it sold well during the tournament. It's independently published, and I'm, I'll talk about the, the background to that. But I'm happy. I'm happy with the product. Yeah, but probably underestimated how the advertising side of self-publishing somewhat. Yeah, I spoke to get, Dave get Roberts. Dave Roberts, who's who's finding cancer at the moment, and I wish him well. Um, but he went through Unbound for one of his books. And he was shocked about how much promotion he was still going to have to do. Um, but I think the way to go is Johnny Nick. Our um, front desk is monitored by John Nicholson, whose books, Can We Have Our Football Back and Who Ate All the Pies, are seminal. But the, the, the other one, the, the Can We Have Our Football Back, has sold 26,000 copies from his website. Completely self-published. Oh. He's obviously got the Football 365 column. But he said, yeah, I bought a house because he maintains a lot of the share of the profits of the book. And yeah, that, they could, the, the people who have read that book or bought it can fit inside Rugby Park. Have you read Johnny Nick's work? I haven't, admittedly, but I'll look it up. Oh, you must. You must. Uh, John Nicholson Books. Uh, Johnny welcomes you into the library. And his big thing is that we need to give football back to the people. We need, he's got a Middlesbrough accent. But people, it needs to get back to the people. Socialist hippie Johnny trying to get people to cancel their Sky subscriptions. Um, do you have a subscription to Sky Sports? Oh, I'm, I'm picking over it. 
it's very difficult at the moment because it's all so fragmented, isn't it? I, I tend to be taken out. I had Sky Sports for years. I, I, last year, I split it between. I was I subscribed to the BT Sport app, which was twenty five pounds a month, and then I was messing around with Now TV subscriptions a month at a time because I wanted obviously wanted the Scotland games on Sky Sports Football and back and forward, back and forth. This season, I, I want to watch the Bundesliga, but it's now off. Sky BT Sports and moved over to Sky. I, mm. I think this will probably be a shared experience where the, the the competition between these companies not great for for people like myself, maybe yourself, who wants to just appreciate different leagues. No, I just go to the pub or I follow online because BT Sport are very good at clipping things up. Where do you watch Championship Scottish football, second tier football, if not at the ground? Well, Kilmarnock had been in the top flight for 28 years until this relegation so we're not accustomed to we're not a massive club but we're not accustomed to the championship I'll be watching in the flesh I've got a season ticket for the home games there'll be pay-per-view available for the away games and BBC Scotland so that's the the Scottish BBC channel yes why not have some live games I am just, I don't know why, maybe just to save you some energy, but the teams who are in the Scottish Championship this season, oh, Kilmarnock are top. Uh, oh, gosh, there's only 10 teams. I forgot. Um, you've got uh, Partick, which is local, Inverness, Cali, Thistle, Hamilton, Wraith, Dunfermline, Greenock Morton, Queen of the South, Arbroath and Ayr. So that will be a big derby, Ayr against um, Kilmarnock. Yeah, yeah that, that was the first league Kilmarnock versus so there's only been one game of the season so far and it was Kilmarnock versus Ayr so quite a way to start and it was a good way to start Kilmarnock played well we've got a completely new team and performed well against Ayr and, and did what we had to do won 2-0 at home so that was the first league league derby for 28 years of course what was it like being back in the stadium it was great um, I was back there that was the third time I've been in since uh, reopening um, I was there for two League Cup games in Scotland uh, I don't know if you've noticed we do this unusual League Cup it's almost like a pre-season thing where there's se- sections Kilmarnock hadn't bothered too much with it um, for the last five years or so I'm not entirely sure how long it's been in, in existence mainly because Kilmarnock haven't taken it very seriously and have used it to to play fringe players and, and, and gone out basically mm-hmm. after the I haven't treated it as a pre-season but this season we treated it quite seriously and we play, in the midst of that we played a suspended player yeah. and were docked three points which was an absolute farce so, but we still managed to scrape through and so I was at two of those games Kilmarnock versus Morton who we are playing against in the championship and Kilmarnock versus Stranra mm-hmm. uh, It is a different game up there Fit Bar uh, the Scots, of course, invented the passing game. And so Scotland will always be at the pinnacle of football. We're celebrating 150 years of the home internationals next year. Is, are there any celebrations? Are you going to have a kickabout with England supporters groups next year? Because 1872 was the first international. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you made the point there at Scotland that the passing game and it was England, the dribbling game, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah I mean, there's, there's, there is increasingly... Things going on around Hamden, and there is a, a walking tour now, I think, which is quite well attended and booked up. I don't know too much about it. That looks at the the origins of there is a growing interest in looking at 
the origins of with us being the sharing with England the, the, the first international. I, I don't know if they have. I, I would imagine they probably do have things planned. I don't have been attended their walking tour yet, but I suppose these guys that are doing that would be doing something. Mm-hmm. Have you read Andy Bolland's excellent book about Scottish football in a hundred objects? I have it, but I haven't read it. <laughs> I've got it, but I haven't read it. That's what it's th- um, that's what it's there in the library for. But I only mention that because Andy. Uh, went to the SFA Museum at Hamden and said, well, this is brilliant. They really do it well. Admittedly, the last 20 years of Scottish football has uh, not been wonderful because of what's gone on in Glasgow, which is just one team winning over and over and over and over again while the other team has financial problems. Uh, please don't yell at me because I, I do like what Rangers are doing now. They've, they've got the footing right, and I know lots of Celtic fans who are just angry they're angry at the... Because their season revolves around one game, which is the Champions League qualifier, and they always lose. Well, some interesting parallels with season 97-98, which obviously led to the context for... Which was, was the context for the France 98 World Cup, and which is obviously the subject in my book. And the season just gone just gone by 2021 20, with roles reversed, obviously, mm-hmm. back in 97-98. There was the interesting parallel. It was it was Rangers who were all conquering and Celtic who were underdogs and out to stop them. And likewise, this season, obviously, of the season gone past, roles reversed. Aye, I mean it's it's a perpetual one-upmanship, isn't it? It's it's if you know the backstory of Scottish football, it's pretty bleak between those two. It's, they've been fighting off and on the pitch since the early 20th century, which is just not for me. And we should say, in case people don't know, Kilmarnock is in Ayrshire, which is just outside central Glasgow. So it's not too far. And I know this because uh, my brother had his 30th in Kilmarnock at the castle. I can't go any more specific from that, but it's about 10 miles from Rugby Park. It's a lovely little castle, um, which has been turned into a resort by the family there. And I'm sorry I can't give them advertising. Um, But I did get around to Rugby Park because mum's partner, Martin, knows another guy called Martin who got us tickets. Uh, so we were able to drink. This was um, the end of October 2019. You might have been in that room because it was uh, the bar before the game, just next to the stadium. The hotel? Yeah. Was it the hotel? Yeah, it's quite a nice hotel, isn't it? It's, it's lovely. Uh, the, 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 yeah, the stadium and facilities are good. Um, yeah, so you were at a game. Great. That, that was a kind of... Bit of a blip for Kumar and some start the start of a downward trajectory. I would say we were under Alessio looking at obviously you had mentioned to me you had been at Rugby Park and it was the 1 0. Oh, it was the most Scottish game. Every time they got the ball, Kilmarnock couldn't shoot. It was almost as if they'd looked at what an expected goal was and said, Right, we need to get 100% expected goal. And it was disastrous. And the goal came obviously from a header from a corner. Kirk Broadfoot played. It was a terrible, terrible game, but I do remember. Come on, Killer! Um, and also, uh, I had a good bag of sweets at half time. But just the experience of being able to go to a game at Kilmarnock, the kind of club that the stupendously shit six want to kill off. And I'm sure Rangers and Celtic would want to kill them off too. Um, this was Alessio, who came after the Steve Clark era because he'd been hen hunted by the SFA. The. It was the inevitable result of three years of everything. You can blame the virus, but ultimately Kilmarnock had to go down at some point. Yeah, probably our, probably our turn, Johnny. You know, it's happened to 
at Berlin. It's happened to Dundee United. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it was just one of these things. We didn't ever quite get over the Steve Clark hangover. Alessio got off to a terrible start. We were all looking forward to Euro- Europa League. We, we were guaranteed a game against Partizan Belgrade if we beat Koniski Nomads of... I think they were the were they were the Welsh champions. Would that be correct? Yeah, okay. Yeah. We beat them in Wales two one and lost two 0 at home on the worst the worst night of my football fan life. And I had one of the, I was one of the idiots who had booked up for Belgrade, so lost money. Uh, I know some people from Kilmarnock went to Belgrade, and a lot has. I would have done the same. I think. Yeah. Well, my dad and his friends, people that I had planned to go with, did go. Uh, I just stayed at home with a huge football hangover. Mm. You've got to take the the punches as well as give the knockouts. Um, I want to ask the best 11 in your lifetime, but I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about it. Uh, but beforehand, I just want to express admiration because in the great era of Scottish football, which was the 1960s, Kilmarnock were really jolly, jolly good. They won the first division in 64-5. They came second, I think, four seasons in five. But the early 60s, this was... Uh, Dundee United were doing spectacularly well. Do I mean Dundee United or Dundee? Dundee were doing really well in the early 60s. Dundee, yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I will Dundee. edit that out. Dundee were doing particularly well, not Dundee United. Um, but you must have heard stories of the great champions of 65. You must have met some of the team. I've not met any of the team, no, but I have... Obviously, we're very proud of that. We were at the pinnacle, as you say, it was a, the kind of heyday of, of Scottish football. Celtic becoming the first British club to win the European Cups, and Kilmarnock were there and amongst it. And I mean, at that point, British football in general, England won the World Cup. Kilmarnock were there, right, and amongst it as, as Scottish League champions, sixty-four, sixty-five, which. What, what an achievement. I mean, and by the time I had started, when I was just starting to go to football in the 80s with my dad, Kilmarnock had fallen so far in that 20 years, you just would not be- you would not believe it, how far Kilmarnock fell in 20 years. So we're hoping that this time, this, this is just one step backwards to take a couple forwards rather than what happened the last time we, we, we flew high and then it got relegated. So the one and only time that Kilmarnock have won that uh, win the league it's, it's not likely to ever happen again there was a there was a, there was a wee moment under Steve Clark kind of Christmas season 18-19 where we were top of the league and but you know that's what got in the Scotland job it, yeah uh, straight from Kilmarnock to Scotland mm-hmm. May 19 yeah yeah I just looked up um, whom you got in the 65-66 European Cup because if you won the uh, league, only league winners would go in, uh, and of course, the can you name the team you beat one nil across two legs in the preliminary round? I'll give you a clue. They're Albanian. No, they are seventeen Nentori, who are now known as Klubi e Futboli Tirana, uh, based in Tirana. Uh, you will be able to get this. Who did you draw two two against and then lose five one in the first round of the European Cup? The eventual winners, Real Madrid, uh, whose um, team included uh, a chap called Piri, who's a central midfielder, and you were actually 1-0 up. So 
that was probably the greatest moment in, in Kilmarnock's history, to be one up at home. Admittedly, three minutes later, apparently, there was an equaliser. But to be one nil up at home against Real Madrid, 25,000 people crammed in. Was your dad there? My dad was from Glasgow, so no, he, he, my dad came through here in the 70s. So no, no. Um, but he had been to, to numerous games, you know, at Hamden, but the, the European Cup finals, was it the... There's one, was it 7-3 Real yeah. Madrid? Beat. Yeah, the famous one at Frank, against Frankfurt. Yeah, he was, he, Frankfurt, he was at that one. So that, that was kind of what he was steeped in. And then thereafter, I was steeped in from the kind of mid-80s. God, it gets better. The second leg, Kilmarnock went one up, conceded two goals in two minutes and ended up losing 5-1. But Gento, I know that name. Is that Paco Gento, Spanish left winger? Um, and uh, a chap called Ramon Grosso as a forward. Um, that was the second leg. So since then, uh, one good trophy, the League Cup 2012. Were you there? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was fantastic. I, I would say that's probably my best ever day as, as a Kamala supporter of that League Cup victory. It was just so unexpected to beat Celtic that day and they played so well and the nature of the late winner, it was just the hairs in the back of my neck are standing up just talking about it. Uh-huh. It was just a wonderful day. Name the 11. Oh, God. I should say, as you think about it, the Celtic 11, Forster, Matthews, Rogner, Wilson, Charlie Mulgrew, Forrest, Wanyama, Scott Brune, Joe Ledley, Anthony Stokes, Gary Hooper. Keith Sun Young came off the bench for Celtic. Good team, mate. Great, great team. Uh, the Kilmarnock team, meanwhile... Sorry, you who... need to read it out to me. I won't be able to do it off the cuff. Goalkeeper was Cammy Bell. Man of the match, yeah. How many saves did he make? Oh, statistically. He was definitely a worthy man of the match. He, he kept them out all game. The answer but is nine. I, I've never, nine. I've never rewatched it. I've got the DVD there still and the cellophane because I'm a bit of a collector, Johnny. Mm. I don't... I've never rewatched it. Um... One day I'll open that DVD and watch it. Ah, well, I can tell you that the back four were Fowler, Sissoko, Nelson and Gordon. Fowler's now the director of football. Ah, right. Do you know him well? Yep. I don't, I don't know him, no, no. You've been in the same room. Um, the midfield, Kelly, Harkins, Hay and, I'm going to guess, boys. Boos? That, that's B-U-I-J-S. Boos? Yeah, Spaniard. Journeyman Spaniard, you know, these these guys come and go from Kilmarnock, you know, and at that point, for the last 10 years or so, probably since around then, I've attended every home game, I would say, but that, that it was really that cup run, I was a sporadic attender, so uh, sporadic season tickets here and there, that cup run brought me back. You know, I would have said at that point I was I was a bit of a big game fan. You know, one, mm. one of those, and, and that that cup run really brought me back and into the club. And thereafter, I would say I barely missed a home game since 2012 off the bat. So it just shows you that what a, a cup can do for a club like Kilmarnock and maybe fans that are on the periphery for whatever reason. Yeah, that's all it is. At Watford, uh, their young fan base has been galvanised in recent years by um, various great performances. This is a team that's beaten Man United, Liverpool, almost beat Arsenal, never beats Man City. Uh, to complete the eleven, Dean Shiles or Shields and uh, Paul Heffernan, but notable, coming off the bench, uh, two questions here. Which current League One manager replaced boys uh, in the midfield 
Lee, Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson, great man. Uh, and how many games did goal scorer Dieter von Tornhout actually play for Kilmarnock? Yeah, cult hero. I mean, cult hero scored the winner. I think seven games, two goals, maybe. Uh, the, the, top of my head. the stat here says eleven, uh, but it was his okay. only goal. And the reason that he left Kilmarnock sadly was because his dad was um, on his way out. Father's health. Yeah, I do have a top. So with Tornout on the back of it from that season, off the back of that goal, famous goal. Yeah, but yeah, didn't he was the, a cult hero? I would say will always be remembered by Kilmarnock Football Club, but hardly kicked the ball. That's what makes it more culty. Oh, who was that? Someone wrote a book and the guy played, I think, two games and won the winning goal in a playoff came off his ass, like in a semi-final. And that was the only goal he ever scored and he didn't even know about it. I think it was some club like Scunthorpe. So the cult hero, so Van, Van Turnen, uh, the cult hero of Killy. And in the second half, we will move beyond Killy. Uh, but just very quickly, your Kilmarnock 11... If you want to limit it to the last 10 years, you can. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that then, limit to the last 10 years. We've, we've, kind of, we've kind of struggled for a goalkeeper over the last... It would have to be Bell. He was superb. He was an academy product. But moved on to Rangers. His career... The move to Rangers was a strange one for him. It kind of, I don't quite know what happened there, but he didn't get to play straight away. It appeared to take the kind of wind out his sails a bit. I always felt as if, I mean, he left Kilmarnock at quite a good age for a goalkeeper. You know, he was still only about 25, I think. So, kind of one that got away. So, definitely him. Um, right back has to be Stephen O'Donnell. Oh, I mean, O'Donnell come on a ton under Steve Clark and obviously played for Scotland at, at the Euro. And left back would be Greg Taylor, obviously, who's who was another academy product and was in the Scotland squad for the Euro and is now at Celtic. He played the most minutes for Kilmarnock in that eighteen nineteen season. We finished third, qualified for the Europa League under Steve Clark, kind of dispelling the myth that Clark only played experienced players, which led to the kind of demise of the, the, the academy, which is nonsense. Centre-backs, God, I mean, let me think, last 10 years, who have we had? I'm kind of feel, feel kind of on the spot here. It's difficult not to just name the, the team, the eighteen nineteen team. Well, know? it's very easy to do that. Uh, let me name that eighteen nineteen team for you. But this is Steve Clark's great team. Uh, I'll go um, by the the most played uh, people who played the most games: uh, O'Donnell and Taylor, Broadfoot, mm-hmm. and uh, Findlay. Stuart Findlay would need to be there. I'm slightly hesitant on having just been relegated. He was towards the end of his career. He was a good servant to come on. I don't want to be critical of him. Maybe just a bit raw that, that he was on the demise when Kilmarnock were relegated there. Um, who, who else? What other centre-backs have you got there in front of you? Alex Bruce, think, maybe. Scott Boyd, and that's it. We'll just go for broad. We'll just go for Broadfoot then. OK, well, that's the 11. Uh, it is difficult not to name that that. 18-19 team you know the two sitting midfielders defensive midfielders Dicker and Power uh, Dicker's now gone to back to Brighton yes he's a coach coach yeah that is so right yeah. he had a good good career at, in England before he came to Kilmarnock and has signed for St Mirren so he's stayed in the top flight on, on the wings I mean Jordan Jones was a great player for Kilmarnock and 
wasn't universally popular amongst the Kermit fans, but I mean, what, what a winger! What, on his on his game, he was unplayable in the Scottish top flight. Obviously, Rangers bottom. The, the, what happened to Kermit really at eighteen nineteen was by Christmas we were we were sitting top top ish of the league. Celtic obviously there was only a point or so in it. Rangers and Celtic really unsettled Kilmarnock. They they came after Jordan Jones, um, Greg Stewart, who had been on fire for us. Really unsettled us. I think you made the point that there's no inroad for any other club in Scotland, really. It's a monopoly, or is it a duopoly? Duopoly, yeah. Yep. Yes, unfortunately, yeah, so ju- Greg Stewart. Yeah, and that, that, was, that, was, that was the size of it. it, it we, we were playing some fantastic football, and, and, and there were moments where you you were starting to kind of believe um, and even some journalists were starting to pick up on it I think Gary Lineker even mentioned us on off the back of what Leicester had done we got a wee mention on match of the day uh, as we sat top of the league mm. but yeah it wasn't to be we were kind of picked, picked apart Eamon Brophy I think we, we, I, would, I would have him there too cap for Scotland I mean we as Clark left, we had five, and Clark's first Scotland squad were four commander players. Brilliant. So, Eamon Brophy, Stuart Finlay, Greg Taylor and Stephen O'Donnell were all on Steve Clark's first Scotland squad. So, we fell quite a long way into the, and from 1819 to 2021. And who would you have up front in this team? I don't know if Brophy goes on the wing or up front. Brophy's a, an out-and-out striker. I would, I would have Brophy there because of, it's just, he's, he's Ability to get a crucial goal, a crucial moment, and take the the pressure penalty time and again, we, we would we were pretty much had the hex over Rangers certainly at Rugby Park, um, and we probably had our best record against Celtic, and if we went to see the Premier League era, so in the last twenty eight years, uh, yeah, it was. Um, a, so just looking at the results, could, you had. Uh, Home win against Celtic early in the season, although you lost 5-1 away, but I won't talk about that. Um, yeah, but we were top of the league and up to that. I was at that game. We were top of the league and into that game. and I don't know what happened to us that day. Yeah, well, the, the run had been so good. You'd lost only one game between mid-September and early December, and that was against Aberdeen, when Chris Boyd scored. Uh, do you want to name Chris Boyd in your best 11 of the last 10 years? Yeah, I mean... Boy, that would have to be, and you, and you only realise now what, what, how well he did towards the tail end of his career. You know, seventeen goals in a season and things like that. You know, um, between that period uh, after he came back from from Rangers, I know he then went to Rangers again for another season where it didn't really happen for him. But he would always get around fifteen goals, and he was leading the line on his own at times. I mean, there was a, a really dodgy period. For Kilmarnock, after that League Cup win in 2012, we sacked Kenny Shields. Um, we appointed Alan Johnston. Remember Alan Johnston, who played for Sunderland? Yes. Hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we appointed him, and it didn't go well at all under him. And then we appointed Gary Locke, who had been the kind of team teammate of, not kind of teammate, he'd been Alan Johnston's teammate at Hearts, so it was kind of more of the same. And then we got out. We got out of that predicament under Lee Clark, who had been Newcastle, obviously famous player Lee Clark. Oh, I don't know if he was ever capped for England. Is he not one of these unfortunates that was? Um, I think so. Yeah, he was, was. His career was held up because what, of goals and Beckham and 
in spatters, I think yeah. we clap, was he not, uh, I read an article about uh, players who, and I think, is it Jimmy Bullard's maybe one of them, guys who were on the, almost brought on as a sub for England but didn't actually win oh, a cup. Oh, you were left, left kind of a lo- holding the bag at the side of the pitch. Yeah, like so, so close. We were warming up, but didn't get on f- for the the country. So I think Lee Clark's in that unfortunate mm-hmm. bracket. But he 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 kind of galvanised us and brought us back. If we're going last ten years, Boyd absolutely has Good. to be there. Um, Stephen Naismith is is just before that. He would be there, but he's he's kind of kind of oh eight, isn't he? Oh eight, oh nine. Yeah, and he came through it at Kilmarnock. And just to finish this first time, thank you for naming that team. I appreciate it. I put you on the spot. But just to talk about the disparity between various Scottish clubs, the attendance uh, at the final game of the season at Rugby Park, final game 2019, the win against Rangers, you were one of 12,248 people. Whereas if you'd gone to Celtic Park uh, three weeks before... I don't know if you did. You were there. Yeah. You lost one there, now. Yeah. Fifty-eight thousand eight hundred and fifty-one, and that is Scottish football by numbers. See you in the second half. <laughs> 